0: (laughs) welcome back to the new republic podcast we're on episode number 10 so if you've heard us before you know that we're going to talk about everything about personalization experimentation and that little word that i kind of hate called cro so episode 10 big episode lots happen We had COVID, we're coming out of COVID, and hopefully the world's going back to normal. So we thought, what should we talk about in episode 10? And this one, we thought, let's talk about retail. All the retails are opening up, the world's changed, and you know everyone talks about retail and the impacts on retail, and retail's a big one for how the economy's going, right? So I've got two very special guests with me. Given this our 10th episode, I thought might mix it up a bit. I've invited my business partner, Stacey, on. And one of the main reasons for having Stacey, besides the fact that she's my uh, partner in crime, is that Stacey used to be an ex-fashion designer and also ran a couple of retail stores. So I thought, who better to have a topic on this? So with that, Stacey, you want to say hi?
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Uh, and I don't know how to introduce Guy, because I have a love affair for this man. Pete and I go back a long way. Pete Ratcliffe, who is Head of Innovation and Risk at Retail Apparel Group. I've known this man for a long time. I love the way he thinks and he talks, and I couldn't think of anyone better for this subject. So with that, Pete, you want to say a big hello? Hi, everyone. So guys, thanks for joining me. Let's break it down. Let's open it up. Now, you know, everything I talk about is about experimentation, but I want this time to be a little bit different. Let's go general and then come back in, right? So the thing I want to really break down first is when we went through COVID, there was a bunch of brands that, you know, just kind of accelerated, like your Kogan's and your like fantastic furnitures, right? They just kind of blew up. And then you had a bunch of brands that just really, really suffered, right? And I'm just really keen on your point of view around why did some succeed and some fail? And and it isn't just because some were digital and some weren't. Because like Maya had bumper sales, right? And they were a retail store, a traditional retail store. So I'd really love your opinion around, you know, what was it that made some go really bad and some go really good?
2: I think it had a lot of factors involved, you know. Uh, a lot of it was product related. I mean, people obviously weren't going to shop for product that they couldn't use or, or couldn't relate to during the pandemic situation. Um, a lot of it was also about what people actually did with their websites, you know, did they take the reins straight away and say, hey, all of my physical stores are closed. I need to ramp up my website. I need to have a look at the content. I need to understand what my customers are going to look for. A lot of them went into, they looked at their customer journeys. All of a sudden, they had physical store customers. All of a sudden, they could only shop online. These people have never shopped online before. So, you know, these retailers and the ones who were winning, they invested in the customer journey. They invested in looking at, you know, what the content was, how they were focusing on the customer and giving them the best experience possible to actually convert them to a digital customer.
0: Do you think that was before
2: no, I think it was during. I think um, a lot of it, um, if you look at some of the retailers, they didn't have the greatest experience. I mean, but quickly they changed. And I think too, you know, and I know I didn't want to bring CRO straight into it, but CRO, A-B testing, if you had an A-B testing platform, you could easily make changes very quickly to satisfy the customer and see what was working and that you weren't waiting for development teams to actually do anything for you. So a lot of them, I think, were taking advantage of their uh, A-B testing platforms and quickly just making some quick changes, like even as simple as moving all the information about shipping, returns, deliveries up to the top of the page rather than down the bottom. Really simple stuff like that made it a winner for the new customer that was coming online.
0: So that's really useful. And I think you're right. I think that if people had the technologies there that they could utilise to pivot quickly, it would have made a big difference. But... I think some of the stuff that Stace and I have been talking about through this whole experience was really interesting. What was that thing that you were saying about, you know, having the imagery and returns...
1: Yeah, look, I, I was saying I've got a very similar opinion to Peter, and I think that you know a lot of it was down to luck, depending on what category you were in. We've got clients who are in cruising and uh, airline businesses, so obviously they took a big hit despite you know their best efforts. But I think others were—it was really came down to luck. And what we were talking about was you know a lot of the infrastructure that they had set up. If they had digital set up really well, then it was—it wasn't seamless, but it was an easy transition to to just a purely digital model. But you know beyond digital. With their infrastructure. It was things like deliveries, like you were saying, Peter, and returns. You know, a lot of companies, if they weren't flexible, no one wanted to go and buy something from a store where you couldn't have a return. You know, if you if it's a purely online play and their policy was no returns, well, then I think that they were losing a lot of sales. So the businesses that were flexible and Really changed based on you know the changing landscape. I think they did well. You know, as you said, communicating returns or or, or changing the exchange or refund policy, bringing up the delivery you know communications up front to the homepage. I think was really critical as well. And then I think delivery was a big one. You know, I, I remember ordering something from Iconic and it arrived in 24 hours and it was that surprise and delight and I and it really built that brand loyalty. I thought, well, that's fantastic, even during you know, a crisis, I can still get something from the iconic and it's going to get delivered in 24 hours and I know that I can return it without too many issues, whereas other businesses maybe who, you know, you order from and you weren't receiving goods after 30 days, well, obviously, you know, it would be very challenging to really perform in in that market
2: yeah i think you know you had a lot of that especially with deliveries there was issues with australia post where they didn't have enough people in their sorting centers and and so on and uh, was causing major issues with airlines not flying interstate so everything was going by road and and you found with the people like the iconic and, and some other retailers they were looking at other ways around not using australia post so you know they express post was getting there slower than regular snail mail so, you know, we looked at different career companies to actually use so you would avoid that to actually get our product to the customer. And a lot of other people like the Iconic were doing that as well.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: And I, think, I think also they were already set up for that. And I think that was a lot to do with it, it was the businesses who were already online or their digital channel was one of their top performing channels you know, they were already set up, they already had that infrastructure, you know, the ones that had to do the pick and pack from their stores rather than a distribution centre, you know, it became really challenging to make that transition. Whereas the ones who I know from our clients, the ones who have a really strong digital channel and really strong digital presence, that transition was easier. And as you said, Peter, they were able to focus on what quick wins and what quick changes can we do to to really keep the momentum and start answering customer, you know, the changing customer behaviours. Yeah, that's right.
0: I think I want to pick up on a point you said, Pete. You said, you yeah, know, those who had an A/B testing tool and they actually went in and started making changes and so forth. I know a lot of companies, a lot, who have these sorts. And they didn't do it. What was the reasoning behind that?
2: I think a lot of companies didn't do it because people were short-staffed. So a lot of people, as soon as COVID happened and and as you know, like retail stores closed, so everybody went into stand-down mode. So basically only skeleton staff were working and they were only there to just really be operational. But I think a lot of the reasons they didn't do it was, again, staff shortage and, and just cost.
1: I'd agree with that. And I think a lot of businesses... I guess the drop in sales was so huge that they looked at their P&L and said, right, we have to cut, you know, like 60% of our costs. So, you know, it it wasn't even what was before me and what wasn't. It was like, it was, you know, crisis mode. So, you know, if, if your trade almost stopped overnight, you know, there was a lot of cost cutting that had to be done, unfortunately. And the ones who were able to keep experimentation going, I think were really lucky because they were able to pivot really quickly they were able to use real data work out what the customer behavior was it was moving towards you know change the product on their homepage change the messaging about delivery you know get chat up and running you know they were able to pivot really quickly but as you said you, you i guess you needed a, at least a skeleton team to be able to you know create and it just got i think this has never happened before
2: no.
1: nobody knew how to
2: react i mean look i i look at some great retailers they got product in quickly that they'd never sold before and were really selling it look at bunnings and they were selling sporting goods I mean, they went straight for the customer. What is the customer after? And they contactless contact less delivery. I mean, you know, they did some amazing things, you know, and they really invested in it. But a lot of other companies, it's marketing and anything like this, it's a variable cost. So what are the first things you cut? Variable costs.
1: I think it talks to the type of businesses as well. I think the types of businesses that do experimentation, they're a little bit more used to, you know, innovation and being a little bit more agile so that they're able to pivot quickly. And I think that that's exactly what was needed, both in terms of experimentation, but in terms of your infrastructure or changing the product or, you know, whatever it was, you need to be a little bit agile and be able to react quite quickly.
2: And I think it's about, you know, what's the focus? Is the focus on financials or is the focus on customer experience? Because if it's on customer experience, then financials are going to be the benefit of that or people just often just look at the operational costs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, think there's a lot of
0: missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, oh, I totally Gave agree. a real
0: chance to learn this new type of customer, mm-hmm. understand what they value and actually bring on loyalty. So I think the Iconic would have won a whole bunch of new business because they had such a great process. Yep. I think there's a big gap in the market now between customers have now switched to these new customers who are building a relationship with a new business.
2: Know what I mean? No, I think so.
1: And as you said, I don't think the the changes needed to be huge. Like I remember talking to my one of my girlfriends who has a small business and she's in you know fashion retailer and she was kind of doing it tough and I guess she had almost accepted that you know she wasn't going to make any sales over the next couple of months. And we had a chat and you know I made a couple of suggestions for the website, uh, knowing what I know from CRO and from you know being a retailer myself. And she made a, a few small changes. Anyway, she called me up and she said, you just wouldn't believe it, Stacey. And I said, what happened? She said, nine minutes after making those changes, they all <laughs> started coming in through the door. So it just kind of showed that, you know, it didn't have to be huge you know, yeah. kind of changes. It could just be minor changes. For her, it was about getting lifestyle instead of just flat lay imagery. It was about doing free shipping. It was getting the return yep. policy up on up in front when you were looking at product. It was just small changes, but they had maximum impact.
0: I'd like to just point out that Stacey's co-founder of New Republic. If you like advice that works in minutes, <laughs> please call
1: nine double two double
0: two
2: one eight. But it's so so true. Sometimes it's the the smallest change that can do it. She was willing to try things. And that's the thing. You've got to be able to be willing to try things. Sometimes it doesn't work, but at least you can see the results and quickly make those changes back again. Absolutely. That's And none of us knew what this pandemic was going to be like. Who would have ever thought we'd all be working from home?
1: I know. You know I don't want to go
2: back,
0: Pete.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stay where I am. Hey, you know everyone in this market,
0: right? Mm. Who did it well? Like, honestly, in this... Using experimentation, like you're talking about, pivoting, who who did it well in your opinion?
2: As I said, I think Bunnings did it extremely well. Iconic did a great job and they were focusing on, even the, the content was all about work from home. You know, so talking about wearing product that you can still wear at home and talk about wearing product for Zoom meetings. From a fashion point of view, you know, I think they did really well. Supermarkets, I think both Coles and Woolworths did an excellent job. But
0: well, which are the fashion brands? Who nailed it?
2: <laughs> I would say out of all, like the Iconic did nail it. I think General Pants did a great job. They were shipping from stores. So initially they had a bit of an issue. She
0: really invested in that click and
2: collect. Yeah, they did a great job from that. And they again, were focusing on the work from home scenario and Zoom meetings and so on. So I think they did a great job. You know, everyone else that was, as I mean, some of ours did great too. I think the, all of the athleisure wear brands did well. You know, Rebel Sports, I mean, our own brand, Rockwear, did really well, you know, because it was a product that people wanted. You could really, really focus on content, on imagery, on uses. I think there were some others who brought in some great facilities like online styling. So I think Q did a great job on online stylists. I think MJ Bale did the same, where you could actually have a video chat with a stylist. And so I thought that was, hey, here's another new idea. People can't go into store, but they can be styled online. From what I believe, and we did the same, it was bringing in store staff to actually do those styling chat sessions. So normally you would go and see the guy in the store to get fitted for a suit or he would style you up. Again, it's the same guy, but he's just doing it online with you. So I think there were some great ideas that come up through that that we all probably thought about, but no, no it's never going to work. Hey, people tried it to, and it worked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Desperation is the mother of innovation.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's great sometimes because it forces people, hey, just let's try it. You know, we, we've tried chat before, didn't work. And then we tried it again, What? Well, you know, it's different circumstances, different things. And who knows, now that the pandemic is, you know, how long it will last, or a lot of us are back to work, what's gonna change again now? Stores are open, online sales have gone down because people have gone back to stores.
0: But well, okay, that's a novelty. Uh, it, like It's like anything, right? I haven't eaten Maccas for years, but then now and then I'm like, I'm only gonna have a hit. It's the same thing, I think there's a behavior around moving online, so people have experienced that. You say you can't go into store, and then you open store, so people want to have a taste of that. I think what you'll find is, you're right, it'll go up on online sales, because you can't go to retail, down into retail once the store's open up. And I think there's gonna be a balance. I think there will be a shift.
1: I think it has changed customer behavior though, absolutely. And I think that's what's really important, is, is really tapping into those changes and making sure you adapt, because I think there are certain changes, as you said, that are temporary. I think that will come and go now that COVID's kind of on its way out. But then there's other behaviours which I think have really changed people's buying habits and and online habits for sure.
2: Yeah, I think um, if you look at the US always talked about same-day delivery all the time. You know, that was the expectation in the US. Australia was always, we were happy to get it overnight or, or in two days. I think now since COVID has happened, I think the customer expectations have changed. I think, you know, when I buy something online now, I don't want to wait weeks for it. I don't wait days for it. I want it today or I want it tomorrow. So I think we've gotten, because we were used to going in-store and I can get it straight away, I think we've got a bit spoiled by that and we're expecting the same online now. So I think re- us retailers now have to make sure that across our supply chain, we actually know what stock we've got. Across all of our store network, if you're living in Melbourne, I've got to know that I've got enough stock of that particular shirt in one of the stores in Melbourne to get it to you same day. And I think there's a lot of things like that that, are, that the expectations of the customer are going to force us to make sure that we have the technology in place to serve them well. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And do you see experimentation being a key part moving forward? Because you said, you know, a lot of people could have used these A-B testing tools to kind of pivot. Do you see that as becoming a the next norm
2: Oh, I think so. I mean it's gonna be a luxury. No, no, no. I I think it's gotta be the norm. Yeah. I mean e- experimentation, you know, it's not only your A B testing. I mean you're looking at the journey, you're looking at all the qualitative, you know, qualitative and quantitative research there and the analysis of the data people's now, their expectations are changing, their journeys are changing. So we need to make sure we're on top of that and find out where they're actually dropping off or where we can easily make changes to convert them. And then that's where your A-B testing comes in as well. And you can quickly tweak it. And because things do take time to develop, then it's great that you you can do that. And I think with some of the platforms, it's so much easier just to do the A-B testing and make the changes without ever developing at all. Some people leave them there forever. Not recommended people. No, I know, but they do. I know. It's a, I know. Oh, no, it's not I recommended, know yes. But but if you're using a, you know a SaaS platform, sometimes it's easier just to because with the pandemic we have to be quick. Yeah. And so that gives you that advantage.
0: I gotta say, I've never heard of experimentation as fast as Stace is ninety nine minutes. No, 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 me either.
2: <laughs> That's a whole new value proposition. I think that's a whole new business experimentation. Your results
0: in nine minutes or your money back.
2: But who would have thought, who would have thought, you know, that you had butchers, you know, making hundreds of thousands of dollars from selling meat online?
0: I heard of a story of a guy who used to build um, stages for bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pandemic hits, shuts down his business and creates furniture and is making hundreds of office tables and other types of furniture.
1: Unbelievable. Cool. I think it's exciting that people are, are kind of transitioning and changing. Like one thing I've absolutely loved is the the food delivery, but when it came to, you know, one of my favourites, Maryvale, you know, like obviously... I love all their beautiful restaurants and and going out for nice meals. But, you know, with a a two-and-a-half-year-old, my social life is definitely curbed and I, I can't go to those fabulous restaurants I used to go to. So when they brought out that, you know, they pivoted and they basically brought out a model where they were doing one weekly delivery and I thought it was really smart because they would take orders throughout the week that obviously collect the cash up front they'd order order the food that they needed to you know fulfill those orders and then they would deliver everything on a Thursday so it was only Thursday every week but it means we could try food from Burt's or fred's in paddington or you know some of my favorite restaurants and that's something that you know as a mother and a full-time you know business owner it's fantastic to be able to get that Kind of luxury food delivered to my home. I hope that that's something that's not going to not going to leave or change.
0: Yeah, and we're talking about successes here. There was a couple of bombs through it as well. I know we are talking about a few retailers. One retailer in particular, I'm not going to name them, but they set up digital queuing oh. because they didn't get the server infrastructure to keep the site up. So they oh. made people wait. So when someone left, they let someone. I know
2: that was pretty bad. Yeah, somebody pointed it out to me. Oh, huh? <laughs> Like, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that's interesting because that's what was happening in the, in the physical stores. Yeah, you don't expect that online. The funny thing is often we try and mimic the physical store experience online. I think that went a bit far. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's a little too far. Well, hey, people are
0: talking about it, so. Well,
1: that's it's true. It's good to be said. That's true.
0: Yes. Who said that? bad news is bad press? Uh, like that. You know. Anyway, this leads us perfectly to the next bit. I have a theory or a hypothesis that I think a lot of retailers are going to start looking at digital transformation. And I hate that word. It means everything and nothing. But digital transformation is going to be a big word, right? Now, you're in a retailer. keen to hear if you guys are going to start using that word. But I do think this has caused the executive teams to say, we need to accelerate our digital presence or what digital means in our business. Because what I realize is retail have looked at digital as it's a um, cash register online but the infrastructure to run and manage and some of the stuff you guys are saying around put your return policies, be flexible on your returns, change. A lot of retailers didn't do that. They just kind of went, okay, shut down, wait for this to pass and then reopen, right? So I'm just wondering, like, do you think that the next wave is going to be digital transformation and experimentation being a way of pivoting for that?
2: Oh, look, I think so. I mean, as you say, there's a lot of retailers out there who digital was just another channel. It wasn't a focus. Uh, There's a lot of great retailers out there where digital and customer experience across all channels is the main focus. So they looked at every customer pain point, whereas a lot of of retailers purely here's another channel and now they've realised that, hey, you know, this could happen, this could be a huge part of our business. Maybe we don't need as many physical stores. But they need to, they've done the front end, you know, they've got an e-com platform where they're actually an online store where they're selling things. But at the back end, have they got visibility of their supply chain? Have they got, you know, the real data and knowledge about their customer that they can do segmentation and personalization? And they are going to start looking at all of these, making sure that they can focus on total customer experience and that will be through digital transformation. But
0: do you think that they're going to invest... Cause it's- Digital transformation is a big word, right?
2: It's a big word, but, you know, it also encompasses a lot of other things. You know, I'm talking supply chain, I'm talking customer experience, and but what about, what about employee experience? I mean, there's a whole thing in finance, employee experience, you know, sourcing, sustainability, there's a whole lot of things. But I think you've got to find out where you need to focus on. If the focus is customer experience, let's look at, you know, the platform, let's look at personalization, let's look at data, let's look at AI, let's look at supply chain. The others will have to wait. There's got to be a priority. There's got to be, you know, some some timelines. But I think, uh, I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes totally when they can see how much they can actually make and what the customers actually want because, you know what, they had nothing else to focus on but the digital channel during the pandemic.
0: It's true. It became a very topical subject.
2: It became very topical, whereas before it was just another store. Whereas it was the only store during the pandemic, so that's all they could talk about. So it became a focus and I think it will remain a focus.
0: That's interesting. So Stace, what do you think? Do you think that this idea of transformation, like, because I know a lot of the consultancies go, here's $10 million, go do a digital transfer. Do you think it'll be different? in this new world? Do you think what we do as experimentation is gonna drive transformation? Or is it gonna be the consultants coming in and saying, give us $10 million and we'll really design your whole business and we'll put digital in the center?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's it's an interesting topic. I, I definitely think that digital will be absolutely a focus moving forward. It just depends on what digital transformation means for different businesses. You know, you've got that top level, huge digital transformation, which, you know, some companies will be ready for and and they'll have the ability to, you know, fund that and the resources to do it. Whereas other businesses are coming out of a crisis period and I don't think they'll have the money to invest. Uh, And I think that's probably where experimentation could definitely help. Digital will definitely be a focus, but it will be at what capacity? And I think, you know, touching on what Peter says, it's about focusing on certain areas. You know, if you can just work on the integration of your systems or whether it's doing, you know, small experiments and doing incremental changes and seeing uplifts that way, I think definitely... Um, digital will be a focus for all businesses. It would just be you know how and when and how much businesses are able to invest.
0: You know the, the problem I have with this idea is that like Amazon never went through a digital transformation. And like Amazon, if you remember Amazon, Amazon used to sell books. It was like dimmick online. And then one day, Amazon sells everything. And if you look at Amazon's journey, Amazon never like went, let's rebuild a website. And then put it back up. They never did anything as big bang. They constantly did small pivots in a direction that was like you say, Pete, Data led, qualitative, quantitative, and got them to the point. And I think the biggest problem I have with digital transformation is people think that it's this gigantic change program, and it's not. It's just smaller incremental change programs. So you might start with. Uh, Let's talk about click and collect, Pete, right? And so let's work on that. Let's look at the back end, the front end, the operational, financial. Use that as a sport and then go into the next thing. But I see some of these programs where it's like every part of the business is about to get touched. Everyone shuts down. Nothing happens. And then two years later, they go, here it is. And then the world's moved on.
1: Is that how we work as well nowadays? Because if you look back at how we used to do a traditional website build. You know, it would be six to 12 months of work. You do your, you know, your wireframes, you do your visual design, you do six months of dev. There'd be no data to back it up. You'd launch it six months later. You know, the world had changed and you'd hope to God that things were going to perform. Whereas I think when experimentation really came to market, it really flipped that model on its head. It was all about... You know testing and as you said making those incremental changes and and then you know the service kind of paid for itself because it, right, if you can make changes and you can you know increase your revenue and increase your sales and conversions then it gives you a little bit more cash to do the next thing and I, I think that's definitely how you know, the, the better way to approach it, which is doing those incremental small changes rather than taking on a full, you know, fully-fledged digital transformation project, which might be a year in the making and, you know, you're not seeing any results in the meantime.
2: It's true. It's the whole agile environment, you know, but I, I think, you know, now people will just need to and focus on what makes that big difference. You know, as you say, it could be click and collect, it could be BOPUS, you know, it could be what's the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference to us, and let's do it first. So you just incremental changes and you can see things as they happen and you can change way, you can change tack as it goes forward, as as Stacey says, you know, and you can you've got that ability to do it. Whereas the old digital transformation projects of yesterday of two or three years, they're gone.
0: There's still a lot of companies doing it, Pete. If you had advice to give retailers around this, they're coming out of COVID, they've obviously hurt, like State said, you know, they've lost money and they've got to shut down a bit. You know, where would you start? You know, what is the definition of digital transformation? I know you know your tech, you know retail, you know, you and I kicked off an experimentation program. and Where would you recommend organizations to start
2: i think the first thing they've got to do is actually and look at what are the key areas what do they want to focus on Hmm. if it's on customer experience what part of that customer experience break it down and then focus on the big things that matter yeah. you know it could be um, customer journey it could be you know what's going to give us the biggest bang for our buck and it could be click and collect it could be using our store stock is it going to give us the value of driving customers into store as well as them purchasing online so you know focus on things that make the biggest difference I think that's the area identify the gaps and prioritize
0: and Pete would you put um, experimentation at as a key
2: part of that, right up there, because then you can actually justify your projects.
0: Now I know you're on a near a public podcast. No, 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 no but, but I mean, honestly, would you would you spend yeah. your money there?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I and as I said to you during the pandemic, AB testing was one of the best tools anybody could have used. And no one can get your results like Stacey.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> pressure is on.
2: But no, honestly, you'll be able to, you can justify and prioritise your projects around experimentation because it's showing you what actually will work and what won't. So it gives you an insight as to whether you're on the right track.
0: So if I had to summarise the organisations that were flexible uh, were able to respond to the changing environment. So content, return policies and so forth, right? Those organisations are able to succeed because they're able to pivot. The ones that had experimentation as part of that were able to pivot faster, right, and using data to guide the decision. That's that's what I'm hearing from you guys. And when it comes to coming out of this COVID period, there's going to be this focus on transformation, some form of digital. But what you're saying, Pete, is focus on what's going to make the most difference, whether it's tech infrastructure or, or it's BOPUS, click a or collect, or whatever but focus on doing smaller transformation using experimentation as a way of facilitating and guiding the direction, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I said before, I think you know, the digital channel is becoming more and more important. And I think our clients who did really well, their digital channel was in one of their top performing channels. So I think there will definitely be a move and a focus towards everyone's digital platform because, you know, if you have to move to an online model, then it's, it's super important. It's just how quickly or, or how you do it or whether, whether that's in the form of a huge digital transformation, whether that's experimentation, whether, as, as Peter said, you're looking at all the different parts of the business or whether it's using data to make small incremental changes. But yeah, absolutely. I think digital is definitely going to be play a more part to people's businesses. And that's driven by the customer.
0: Yeah, 100%. I've got I to wrap it up, but I just want to know one thing, Pete. Mm-hmm. Did you see a change in device usage? Because everyone's at home, they're on their computers. Did more people start buying on desktop or mobile? Yeah. Desktop?
2: Yeah. Really? I've read that a lot in some reports that a lot of people, because they were working from home, they all had their laptops, desktop, you know, and they're actually shopping while they're working.
0: There it is, people.
2: Desktop first. Forget, <laughs> <laughs> Forget no, desktop first. Everyone's <laughs> back at work now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't take any more time. Thank you, Pete, for joining It's been absolutely invaluable thank you mate
1: no problem at all
0: and thank you stacy my wonderful co-host it's great to have you on board
1: thanks for having me
0: so guys like always if you have comments or any ideas that you want to ask to integrate into the show there's a link at the bottom of the post make sure you email us and give us your suggestion and thank you for your time and we'll see you in episode 11